morning, everyone, and welcome back to Breakfast with Boz being served by Wahoo. I am your host, Ian Boswell, serving up a Thanksgiving leftover scramble this morning. My wife and I bought a 19-pound turkey from a farmer down the road. We spent Thanksgiving alone, just the two of us, so we have plenty of leftovers. So I chopped up some turkey, mashed some potatoes that had already been cooked in the oven with some parsnips, carrots, and turnips, put those all with a few eggs, a little bit of Parmesan cheese on top, and made quite a tasty leftover omelet this morning. I did not put any cranberry sauce on it. I'm not sure how cranberry sauce and eggs would go. But anyways, we are trying to get through all the leftovers we have. Some of the stuff is gonna be going into the freezer, but with the stuff and the stuffing that we still have, we are making Thanksgiving last for weeks. So with that, I hope you're all ready for another episode of Breakfast with Boz being served by Wahoo. In the episode today, I am joined by Rob Wardell and Stu Thompson talking about the West Highland Way, a 154-kilometer trail in Scotland, leaving just north of Glasgow, finishing at Fort William. This beautiful, beautiful trail has been documented in Wahoo's latest film, West Highland Way. You can find that over at Wahoo's YouTube channel, and I highly recommend checking that out either before or after you listen to this podcast. Rob is familiar with this trail. He walked it back in 2017. He has ridden it on numerous occasions, but in September, he went and set the fastest known time, sub 10 hours, 9.14.32 in fact. And for the moment, Rob still holds the FKT on this trail. So we're going to be hearing from Rob about what inspired him to take on this feat, how he prepared, and also what he has next. My second guest is Stu Thompson, who is the man behind the camera. He documented this. He filmed this. He is with Cut Media. He is friends with Rob, and he talks about how majestic and powerful it was to film this FKT on the West Highland Way. So let's head over to my first guest, Rob Wardell. Well, our first ever Scottish guest here on Breakfast with Boz, Rab Waddell. Thanks for joining us. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. I uh, just finished watching the West Highland Way film, and my goodness, you live in a beautiful part of the world. Yeah, we're we're pretty lucky over here. I guess we've we've only got a small country, but it's um yeah, it's got its little uh, its little gems and its gifts for sure. Well, can you give us a little bit? I mean, I guess give me a little bit of history on on the West Highland Way, and you talk about it a bit in the film, but you know, just your, your connection with it. And I, you know, learned that it's not that old of a trail compared to, you know, some other walking paths throughout, you know, the world and the UK in particular, but what's the, what's the history and your personal connection with, with the West Highland Way? Yeah, I think the, the official history or the official date that it was recognized maybe sells it a little bit short because the, you know, the official announcements of the route was only in 1980. So, so 40 years ago, but the, the trails and the paths go back centuries and, you know, Maybe even maybe even longer, you know. It's like uh, ancient drovers' roads, military roads that um, are all connected, and I guess became an official route and, and kind of got recognised only forty years ago. But there definitely is a whole lot of history in there. So, unfortunately, I'm not a historian, so I'm not even going to try to uh, elaborate too much. But you know, uh, Loch Lomond and kind of Rob Roy was a 
yeah, there's there's some pretty historic uh, stories of him. He's, he seemed like a bit of a character back in the day. But my history of it is 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 just through walking it initially. Maybe like in 2000, 2007, I walked it and I just, I'd actually just kind of stopped racing for the first time, taking a little bit of a break. And the, the whole time I walked it, I just, all I was thinking was, man, I want to ride this. Um, because the trail just looks so cool, but I didn't know anyone who'd actually completed the route by bike at that point. So, as far as I'm aware, I was the certainly the first person that I knew to ride the the whole thing um, from start to finish, and that was yeah, like 2011. So, and then like I, I ride it, um, I ride sections of it uh, fairly regularly. Well, and it's it's 150 some odd k, 90, 95, 96 miles. How long did that take for you to walk it? Was it like a bit doing like? the Camino or something? I mean, it must've taken you several days to walk it. Yeah. So to walk it takes six days and that was, you know, you know I'm, I'm no, I'm not an experienced hiker or I certainly wasn't an experienced hiker or mountaineer at that time. And it's a fairly accessible trail, you know, like I say, you know, I think around about 40,000 people walk the entire route every year. So it's, it's a big kind of tourist attraction and a big draw for people. But one of the things that's um, so great about it is that it's accessible it's almost like one of those, um, I guess, one of those off-road routes that people, you know, it's maybe their first experience of hiking or, you know, being in the outdoors and it gets them hooked, you know. So I kind of said that myself. It was like it, it kind of got under my skin a little bit. And after walking it in six days, you know, the, to, to ride it, obviously, I love riding my bike and um, you can just cover ground so much faster. Um, so that was that was pretty cool. When you said you were probably one of the first people to ever to ever ride it back in around 2010, once you had ridden it by bike, did you did you start to hear stories of other people trying to ride it, or you know going for you know whether it's a multi day trip or or going for a fastest known time? Did it become a thing after you first made your voyage? Like the fastest known time thing, I, I don't really know, and I'm, I'm sure I'm, I am sure there are going to have been people who have ridden it before me. There always are these kind of crazy. You know, crazy stories. There'll be people on people who have done it on road bikes and cross bikes and stuff. I'm sure. But yes, people started to ride it maybe over a couple of days, and it it, it became a bit more commonplace to ride it. And you know, to to shine a little bit of light on it, there's there are sections of it that get ridden on mountain bikes a whole lot, like the like Conic Hill, for example, and some of the sections of single track on Loch Lomond and uh, the Devil Staircase for sure is is one of these. I, you know, kind of a lot of uh, Scottish and British mountain bikers will make a kind of pilgrimage there to ride there. So it does get ridden a whole lot, but actually riding it in one go from start to finish in a day, it became a bit of a thing. I know a few people who've done it and people have contacted me and said that, you know, having heard about my first ride of it, that kind of encouraged them to do it. Because um, as, you, as you probably see in the film, like the, the section, the northern section of Loch Lomond really isn't... Um, your bike is not the the optimal mode of transport for that at all. So it's uh, yeah, I think people often think that you couldn't ride a bike up it, but you just got to just got to deal with it. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you. So I mean, kind of to dive into it a little bit. I mean, you you did take the fastest known time with a time of of four of nine hours fourteen minutes and thirty two seconds. But in the film, it's very evident that you know you were going for the fastest known time by bike. But there was a fair portion of of walking. What would you say your total walk time was for the for the trail? Yeah, that's an interesting one. I think for me, it's it's maybe about ten percent. So yeah, like a, an hour or so, maybe. I'm kind of guessing that though. The Loch Lomond side is is probably the most sustained section of of being on and off your bike, like hike a bike, as I like to call it. And 
is 10 kilometers long and you may I would say you're maybe walk or I was walking for maybe 10 10 minutes at a time and then I'll be back on the bike and ride for for five minutes five ten minutes or so and then you know it's kind of on and off so it's definitely majorities for me was was rideable but yeah you gotta I guess you gotta take the rough with a smooth and just manage it as best as you can. Yeah, I mean, some of the some of the sectors and along the way look pretty nasty, and even you know carrying a bike over it looked somewhat treacherous at one point. The the cameraman following behind trips on a rock or a, a root or something and, and takes a little tumble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Poor Johnny. Yeah, yeah, he went down. Yeah, that that section is it's not a lot of fun <laughs> at, at moments, but it's uh, you know I I I had memories of, like the last time that I. Or the previous time I rode it was in 2012, like in the October, and I kind of finished it and I broke the 12 hour mark, which was like when I when I first went into it, I was like 12 hours is you know breaking 12 hours is my goal. I think it was you know kind of I'd spoken with a friend and he kind of said that he thought that was possible and you know I wanted to. I basically 12 hours was my personal goal, so I did the I, I broke the 12 hours and then I almost just left it for a few years and that you know once. Uh, you know, re- really looking back on that, I was thinking that, you know, I just did not want to walk along Loch Lomond side again. And the times that I was kind of practicing, you know, I did a little bit of practice and a bit of recce in this year. And I got to the point where it was actually, um, yeah, almost enjoyable. Like I kind of, you know, I would do it and go, actually, that's not that bad. Um, and I think it was because I was like kind of traveling light and, and I guess covering ground quite quickly. But yeah, it, it's probably the the worst part of the route. But I eventually got to the point where I kind of I'm, I'm almost saying that I grew to love it. But yeah, it was tough for sure. Well, I mean, and what kind of is the you know looking back on it now in hindsight, you know, what really inspired you to want to go after the fastest known time? Like you you retired from professional racing, but you decided, all right, I'm going to get fit again. And you'd mentioned in the film that you probably got to one of your peak fitnesses of all time. Was it the fact yeah. that this is a you know kind of your your home? you know, trail and it's, you know, something unique that you could do. And especially, you know, this year when kind of things are relatively different as far as racing and people being able to do mass participation events, was this something, a goal that you're like, Hey, I, I think I can do this and I'm going to go, go and try and get it. Yeah. I think in a few ways, it was almost like the, I don't know, like the stars lined up. Like, so there was a few different factors which made me realize that I could, could have a crack. And, you know, I guess the, the global pandemic's been, had a huge impact on a lot of people. But with, with that, I guess, I feel like I was quite fortunate and I was able to, I don't know, I was almost blessed with a lot of time and stayed home a lot more. I, I love my, my girlfriend, Katie, is a, is, well, she's current Olympic track uh, team pursuit uh, champion. So Katie Archibald. So we, we were, you know, I'm living with her and she was training towards Tokyo, which, which wasn't cancelled yet. And that kind of, you know, we were just training together. It was kind of, we got, we, we moved into a new house and we'd had like our, our pain cave all set up. So it was like a kicker and all the, all the bells and whistles set up. And I was, you know, just getting, you know, I don't know, just playing with these kind of toys and starting to kind of train and just, just started getting fit and really fell in love with training again. And just started, you know, I think just seeing the, I say this to a lot of people, but when you're on that improvement curve, there's there's a it's super motivating to be like you know when you're maybe you've you're kind of i guess like i was a little bit out of shape so as i've started to train i really started to improve quickly and it's just super motivating and then i just started to think like you know there's no races this year there's you know i've got an opportunity to have a have a crack at the west hill away and started to kind of you know i've, I've been thinking about it for maybe a year or so which i kind of i touch on in, in the film you know I've been planning it for a year but it's really it was really just a thought um and then as we got closer and closer you know 
once once I started to get fitter and fitter, I um, kind of I guess I put, put a date on it, and nothing nothing kind of motivates you a little bit more than, than a bit of pressure. And uh, I guess we started to attract the support of you know we had some support from Wahoo, Santa Cruz, you know, and a bunch of other kind of partners that we got into to make a film as well, which was added extra pressure. But I guess just motivated me even more to go for it. And my my big motivation was just to try and see how fast can I go, which is why I'm kind of superhero and got this uh you know this kind of dream bike built up and i just really wanted to go like almost like an ultimate like just how fast is possible and that's i guess that's where the motivation came from it all just kind of snowballed yeah well it's funny and you know in this year in particular when you know people all of a sudden do have more time and they they want to stay fit i'm sure everyone had a little bit of a, a lull myself included when you know things first locked down and it's like all right well you know what am i training for but then all of a sudden like you said that that training becomes almost addictive. You're like, all right, I'm getting fitter. I'm getting faster. I need to do something. I need to have a, a goal and a target. And like you said, you've you know, had this in your mind for a year. And especially because it was being filmed, did you find that there was pressure, just the fact that you had so many people out there supporting you? And you're like, all right, well, this is kind of one shot. And we put a day on a calendar. It's a perfect day. The weather was gorgeous. You know, it's hard. You know, there's definitely some added pressure just from the fact that it's being filmed. It's hard to, you know, you get eight hours in and you have an issue. It's not like you're going to go and try it again the next day yeah for sure i mean like you say like the when you know once we kind of secured you know the support to make a film it was like it felt awesome but i also remember feeling like just an absolute sense of dread in my stomach feeling like man i really have to deliver on this <laughs> you know it's like the you know it's a I, I don't really deal that well with pressure to be honest it's a i quite like to to do things like um on my own terms, I kind of struggle a little bit with outside pressure a lot of the time, but I managed to handle it this time fairly well, and was it you know was able to able to deliver on it. Yeah, it was like I would say the the week or the ten days leading into the ride was was some of the you know most stressful times I've, I've felt like pressure was really mounting because a few things just weren't quite lining up. Like the weather wasn't in Scotland. Like I would say the best the best times to visit Scotland I would say would be kind of in spring like May. May into you know late spring May into June or the end of summer like September almost leading into October and the weather's you know Scotland's got a reputation for fairly unpredictable weather um or maybe people think it is predictable and they just think it's always going to rain but uh the, the, those times of year it's generally pretty sunny and dry and quite warm and you you have kind of dusty trails and that's when I thought we would have fast conditions in September and the weather just wasn't quite playing ball um, it was pretty wet and a bit changeable, but we managed to get a day that was was dry and kind of wasn't. It didn't present the perfect conditions, but they were they were definitely good enough to have a crack. Well, and what sort of you know I've done very few. I've maybe done one ride over nine nine hours. I mean, what and I you know I was riding by myself. I wasn't trying to set a fastest known time. You know, I had headphones in, listening to podcasts and music, so I was I was entertained, but. What's, you know, what's going through your head when you're, you know, nine hours into an event and, you know, all sorts of things are probably going through your head. Am I ahead? Am I behind? My fueling, mechanicals, you know, what, you know, what is going through your head? I mean, I mean, kind of from the beginning to the end. Yeah, it's, that's a good question. I think I kind of prepared myself, like I wanted to cover all the bases before I set off. I really wanted to be, I don't know, like following, I guess it's a bit of a cliche, but kind of, you know, the idea of just having faith in the game plan and trust in the process. And that was that was kind of, yeah, my, my game plan and what I was trying to think about the whole time. Just kind of talk about it in the film as well. Like the, I'd identified the four kind of key markers, I think, that, that 
could present big issues. You know, Connick Hill, Loch Lomond, Rannochmore and the Devil's Staircase are kind of like, it's almost like, those are almost like checkpoints, I would say. And I had a decent idea of, of when I wanted to arrive at those points, you know, what, what kind of time I wanted to be there. My feeling and my, like my nutrition plan and my pacing, I put a lot of thought into. So I did, I did a bit, uh, you know, I did quite a lot of, um, if anyone follows me on Strava or, or anything, they've seen like I spent, you know, so much time at the start of the year doing doing power testing and you know experimenting with different things so i was i was using a piece of software called inside which is which is used by um yeah a lot of those kind of top world tour teams are kind of partnered with inside and it's it gives you pretty insightful data for for just power power testing and it gives you a good idea on, on nutrition and kind of partnered that up with my my nutrition provider's uh secret training yeah just took on a whole lot of carbs and and kind of you know, it wasn't quite, I wouldn't quite say I was riding to power, but I was certainly mindful of my, you know, how hard I was going early on and trying to just stick to the game plan. Was there ever a point in, you know, you had a mechanical late in the, late in the day, which was actually probably at a very opportune time because you were able to do a wheel swap. Yeah. Was there ever a, a moment when you thought, oh man, I'm not going to, you know, physically or mentally, I'm not going to be able to do this? The, I think after the puncture was, was the, I guess my lowest kind of mood, if you like, but I was still fairly confident that I could could do the time to you know to to set the to set a record time. I you know, I, I was actually going into the uh, into the day thinking I was you know I had a decent. I, I really thought I could go under nine hours, and I still still think I can go nine, under nine hours with the right kind of conditions and with a clean run. So it wasn't. I wouldn't say I was overconfident, but I was I was fairly confident that I was gonna was gonna do it on a day. But the the ride from from Kinloch leaving to Fort William before I got my the kind of the rallying support from James McCallum and James Wright was the was like the, a bit where I guess I had the most doubts where I was just thinking you know I almost just wanted it to be over you know it's uh it was like kind of just you know I really kind of it was a bit, it was a low point and I, and I really kind of ne- needed to dig myself out of it I actually had a nightmare the day after the I, I set the record that I had another puncture and that was my biggest like my biggest fear was because in in one of my reckeys, I punctured on the military road from Kinloch leaving to Fort William, which was after where I actually got the flat on the day. And I was just I was just terrified that I was going to puncture again. Like I had plenty of kit with me. I had like plugs and I had a pump and I had a tube. I, I had everything I needed to to fix things if I needed them. And you know I could have done that. You know with the you know with the flat that I got descending the devil staircase, I could have stopped and repaired it. But I was pretty sure my parents were at the bottom of the hill, so I just kind of rallied it down but yeah well what's next it sounds like you you want to make another attempt and try and go sub nine hours have you heard of any other people trying to trying to go for for your record i've not heard anything yet and I'm, I'm pretty sure that if if the opportunity presents itself gary will have a another go so i mean you know gary mcdonald set set his time in the summer the you know which was really just raised the bar massively from the the attempt that you know, from from the time that i'd original originally planned and kind of I guess it, when when I was speaking to everyone while planning this, the, the goal was to break ten hours. That was that was my initial goal because the the record was, you know, ten ten hours and twenty seven minutes. I think Keith Forsyth had had set that, and you know, and he'd set that five years ago. It stood for a long time, and then Gary McDonald on on his first attempt, you know, smashed it, and uh, you know, took that time down by down by almost an hour. And having spoke having speaking to Gary recently, I think yeah, I think he's. He wants it back for sure, and to be honest, I you know, I hope that it attracts other other riders to 
to come and have a go, you know. It's that, um, I don't know if it'll just be Scottish riders or if there'll maybe be some some guys and, and, and girls as well come up from, from England or, or from Europe to to ride it. Yeah, the, the kind of the, the more the merrier, I think. It's like I say, I've had I've I've had my crack. I'll maybe go again in the new year. I'd quite like to do it um self supported as well because, you know, I guess the spirit of FKTs is generally is is to do things self-supported the west island way is a little bit different in that because it's all you know certainly all the times that have been set have had support whether that's nutrition and bottles or mechanical stuff as well so that's you know i think setting a self-supported time would be cool you know there's a there's a there is a record time for doing a double so so riding to fort william and then and then turning around and riding back there's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of routes in scotland as well like one of the santa cruz enduro enduro um Pro riders Mark Scott and I rode the, a, a route called the D-Side Trail in, in the northeast of Scotland, in the northeast highlands, from Bankery, round into the Cairngorms. It's a 154-mile route, and we attempted it a few weeks ago and, and kind of bailed after 18 hours, pretty close to the end, and uh, we rode the finish in the dark and on the road. Yeah, there's there's tons of cool routes, like D-Side Trail, Cairngorm Loop is another one, and also the Highland Trail 550 is a 550-mile bike packing route that's uh you know they do a mass start event generally in may so yeah they're kind of on my radar you know i kind of want to get back you know on a start line and racing other people as well so you know i've still got races on my bucket list one that i've one that i never actually ticked off was i, I got to the final day of the abza cape, cape epic in 2014 and, and had to pull with their uh, health issues so i'd love to go back and tick that one off yeah there's i just i want to do everything that's part of my uh, part of my, my my issue i think i just always want to do more stuff. Well, I love I love hearing that. It sounds like you have plenty of of drive and motivation going forward. And yeah, whatever you get up to next year and the following years, make sure to to let me know. And we can get you back on here and and talk about it. That'd be much appreciated. Yeah, and hopefully, yeah, I'd love to get over to the states and check out some of the events over there because um, it looks like you've got some really cool stuff happening. We do. Hopefully, things begin to to kind of become safe to happen again in in 2021. For sure, yeah. We've got to, I guess, stay positive and just do what we can, right? Exactly. Well, Rob, thank you so much for taking the time. And yeah, congratulations on, on setting the FKT on the West Highland Way. Thank you very much, Ian. It's a pleasure. Before we hear from my next guest, this is going to be your final reminder to share your 2021 goals and ambitions with us to be a guest on Breakfast with Boz's special New Year's episode. You can find a link in the description below. You can also find a link over at wahoofitness.com under the Discover page, Breakfast with Boz. And at the header of the page, you'll see a link where you can fill out a very short survey to share your goals and ambitions with us be a guest on Breakfast with Boz. My next guest is Stu Thompson of Cut Media, the man behind the lens of the West Highland Way, talking about what it took to film this beautiful film. So now let's hear from Stu. My next guest is Stu Thompson, second ever Scottish guest on Breakfast with Boz. Stu is the owner of Cut Media over in Scotland. Stu, thanks for taking the time. No problem. Happy to be here. Well, I have to say you captured a beautiful day in, in Scotland on the West Highland Way. Was this your first time ever filming anything along along the trail? Oh, I think I, fil- I filmed a few little bits and pieces on the trail before, um, but never, yeah, never someone actually going for like the full, the full route. Um, 
but yeah, it's like it's a route I'm really familiar with and I live really close to. And yeah, it's always always good to show off Scotland as well. So well, one thing that I realized must have been extremely challenging with this film in particular was how many people you probably needed on course to actually capture this because this is a you know a single event you can't say hey you know hey rob why don't you turn around and come back we we missed the shot because you know it's it's kind of you only have one chance how many people did you have out on course making sure it was captured yeah so there was what was there three four five, uh, six yeah there was six of us in total um out out filming and kind of yeah we're we're in three well we started off in two separate teams and then we kind of another team sort of split off and we ended up in three in total um and we just kept kind of leapfrogging each other We'd had certain points. We'd kind of marked out where where we thought Rab would be at certain times, and um, yeah, it was like like it's quite tricky because because the, the route goes so kind of direct, and actually to you know on the road to get between them, it's actually like a longer journey. So yeah, we had it pretty pretty well planned out, but but yeah, some small teams just kind of leapfrogging each other along the way and trying to catch him. It was fun. Did you ever consider doing it like having someone follow on a bike for a while, or was it very much right? We're gonna you know jump from point to point by by car and then run behind him as he's as he's riding, did you ever think about putting a, a GoPro on a bike or following with a camera? Yeah. So we actually, we did, we did actually have, we had some e-bikes. So we did like e-bikes. If you're, if you're a filmmaker or you're like photographer carry, carrying equipment and stuff, like having an e-bike when you're trying to follow a rider is like this living the dream. So it's uh yeah, we had some e-bikes. So we kept, um, there was a few points where we'd like a, arrive right off in front of Rab, kind of wait for him. And then he'd come past and we could like leapfrog him a couple of times or keep up with him. But then we'd still always kind of come back to the vehicle and like drive up to the next point. Because obviously, as you'll see in the film, there's like quite a lot of like hiking and different points. So we still kind of needed the vehicles as well to to kind of keep in front of him. Well, throughout the film, what as a, as a filmmaker, what's your your favorite shot throughout the whole film? Yeah, my my favorite point is is definitely when Rab's friend Jimmy, who was supporting, who was supporting him through the day and kind of the feed stops and everything, and and obviously like the last section, it was the last feed stop of the day, and uh, you know like things had like been the first half of the day, things had gone really smooth for Rab, and then it kind of become a bit rockier, and Rab was a little bit more out of sorts and everything, and and you know just like there's this little little, film, little section in the film where the two of them are interacting, and Jimmy's getting like pretty excited, and you know like shouting his encouragement and stuff. And it's just like a really nice moment between kind of two two friends and two really, really great cyclists as well. So it's more like like the interaction rather than the shot, if you know what I mean, just the, the, the way it helps the story as well. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. He, he grabs a bottle and kind of gives him a little a little push off and some words of encouragement. And it's just like, probably for, for Rob, especially at the moment when you realize like, okay, I can do this. And there's, you know, a whole team of people behind me making sure that, you know, the, the record is going to be broken. Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, those two, they're, they're good friends and and to see the kind of journey Rabbit been on with it. And, and you know, I think it was, um, I sometimes think with Rab as well, it's like, you can watch the film and you can appreciate the kind of endeavor of what he's taken on. And, you know, you know, obviously FKTs and there was a lot of kind of, a lot of people doing that this year because it's been such a different year. But, you know, I think to, to kind of get that, that kind of moment where it just, I don't know, he'd just been out of source and just kind of lift him and show the kind of, you know, just the way it changed him. But I think that also the pressure, I, I, I really felt it was a big call for Rab to say, cool, let's make like a big film project on this because, well, you'll know yourself as like an athlete. It, it, it suddenly adds like a level of pressure to him. Like he could have easily just sort of trained, gone and had a shot not told anyone about it, you know, maybe broken the record, maybe not. But he made, you know, Rab decided to make it a big thing and, and you know, let's make this film. And he was super enthusiastic about it. And, and it was really nice to kind of just see that all, all come together in the end and work out for him. Well, and there's also a lot of pressure on on you and, and your team making sure that, that you capture everything because it's, as I said, you know, it's, you, you kind of have to be there. You can't, you know, you can't tell them, all right, let's go out tomorrow and, and give it another, another whack because, you know, 
it's a one-time show. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something when you're, you know, from the filmmaking point of view, you're really aware of because, you know, you're, you're stood there, you know, I remember the scene in first, the first spy I saw him in the morning was, was on Conic Hill, which is, you know, there's this big, beautiful view over Loch Lomond, which is, is, you know, one of the most kind of, I guess, famous spots in Scotland as well. Um, but, you know, you're sat there waiting for Rab, kind of looking on like just the horizon, waiting for it to come. And, and you know, you've got one shot to get him going by. You can't, you can't be like, oh, could we, could we just shoot that again? You know? So yeah, it was both timing, making sure we we're on it in terms of being in locations and tracking him as he went and, and uh, yeah, and just making sure you got that shot when he goes by. Well, and how different is it telling a story like this where, you know, you really are just trying to capture the moment in the day and those like those small interactions versus, you know, doing something that's maybe more scripted or, you know, you're filming a commercial or something, you know, what's, what's the difference between filming something like this and something that, you know, maybe has more of a, a script and a narrative piece? Yeah. I mean, the, the difference is that, like, I love it. It's, it's probably more my kind of favorite type of filmmaking in many ways, because, because of the unknown, because of the uncertainty. And, and you're just like, you're trying to, you know, you're seeing what's happening. You're seeing what's unfolding in front of you. You're also trying to work out the story a little bit in your head and what's, what's really working. But yeah, it's, it's that kind of the drama of it and the excitement and, and, you know, like, getting rab as he films come by and then running back to, you know, jump in a vehicle or riding off or trying to get to the next spot. It's like, you're just on the go the whole time. And the day just flew by so quickly. But it was, yeah, really exciting. And obviously I'm, I'm really good friends with rab as well. So it was, it's kind of extra special when it's a, a good friend as well. Well, and as you're, as you're filming, do you become invested in, in his effort? You know, as, as the day goes on, do you feel, do you start to feel his emotion, especially because you're friends, but do you start to feel like, all right, he's, I don't know, he didn't look great or, you know, cause you're behind the, behind the camera, but I'm sure you have a little sense of like how things are going. Oh yeah, massively, massively. You get so invested in it and just like nervous for him. And I think, you know, I don't know, I think some of us involved in it were almost more nervous for him than he was. But yeah, it's, it's always like, and even looking at the clock and trying to look at where he is on the on the map. And we had obviously, we were tracking him as he went and trying to work out if he was up on the time or, or down on it, you know. Yeah, just sort of tracking him the whole way. And you just get, you get so invested, so engaged in it. And just, and then you're stood there on, you know, each point, just kind of looking at your watch, waiting for him to appear. <laughs> hoping he makes it on time well and 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 he did and he had mentioned that he might try to go for another attempt next year and try to go sub sub nine hours and he has a couple other fkts <laughs> that he's potentially looking at are you uh is this something you want to do again to to film another short short film about one of one of rob's you know crazy attempts yeah yeah definitely i mean i think it's um It'd be interesting to like, I think he, yeah, I think we're going to have a chat about what, what other ones he's got in mind. I mean, I feel like the West Island way, it'll be, it's, you know, it's going to be, it'll be exciting because, because, you know, Gary, who had the record, I think fancies another shot at it as well. And I think Rab knows he could go faster and, um, but he's obviously got sights on, on something else as well. So it would, uh, yeah, it'd be good to tell another story, actually. It'd be good to look at what else he's, he's got in mind. But, you know, for us, it was, it was great to work with him on it. And, you know, we're, you know, obviously we, we shoot, we shoot kind of all over the world really, but, but, um, you know, showing off our own backyard is always our favorite. So Scottish projects was, was, was extra special. Well, it was a beautiful film and, uh, yeah, we'll have to stay in touch if, if another film comes out in, in 2021 about one of another, uh, FKT taking place in, in Scotland. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's, uh, yeah, it'll be exciting to see what kind of, hopefully the film draws a bit of attention to it as well. And you might get a few other people having a go and it's going to, it's definitely a, you know, it's a demanding route. It's, there's a lot to it and, and it, it, it requires a lot of different kind of, you know, abilities from the writer as well. So it'll be interesting to see who, who has a go and, you know, and if Rab has another go as well, what he can do. Well, and lastly, how's your, uh, how's your crew member who took a little tumble? Is he, has he healed up? Is his knees okay now? <laughs> yeah, he's fine. Yeah, he's good. He's good. Yeah, we're, we're chatting about it earlier, but he's, uh, yeah, no, he's on, on good form. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time, Stu. No problem. Thanks very much. 
Well, there we have it, folks. Another episode of Breakfast with Boz being served by Wahoo. I hope you enjoyed my episode today with Rob and Stu. Be sure to head over to Wahoo's YouTube channel to check out the West Highland Way film. I will catch you all right here next week for an episode talking about holiday nutrition. I am joined by Alan Lim to talk about how you should fuel your winter training, how you should stay healthy, and I will be joined by a special guest, a celebrity chef to give you a very unique holiday recipe. So that's right here next week on Breakfast with Boz being served by Wahoo.